Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Today we're going to be concluding our series titled The Devil Made Me Question Mark. We often say, oh look, well the devil made me do it. But when we say that, often what we're doing is trying to shift responsibility from ourselves onto the devil. And whilst we need to be aware that we have a very real adversary, we still need to make sure that we are taking responsibility for our own actions and the consequences of those actions. So Phil kicked off this series a couple of weeks ago and he spoke about how Satan is the deceiver who targets your mind with lies. He makes you question and twist God's word. Tony, last week, shared how Satan is the accuser who targets your heart with accusation. He said that the devil knows your name but calls you by your sins. But God, who knows your sins, calls you by name, which means that he's bringing you back into family. He's bringing you back into relationship. I find for me, sometimes I do the devil's job for him. When I find myself accusing, then I've automatically taken that role away from the devil and taken it on for myself. Now, sometimes when that happens to us, say in a work situation, it causes frustration because that's my job and I want to do it. But Satan's not like that. If you take his role of accuser away, Satan goes, cool, you have that thing. Because if we start accusing, then he doesn't have to. And so we end up taking the role of Satan when we accuse. How about as a church, if we said, hey, cool, if, if it's Satan roles to, Satan's role to accuse, let him do it. Let's not accuse amongst ourselves and make it easier for him. Today, part three, we're going to be looking at Satan the destroyer. Ooh. Now, you need to know, in us talking about Satan, we're not trying to bring him any glory whatsoever. But we do need to be aware of him. And as we're aware of him, we know where the battle is and we know how to fight. You see, we need to be aware that we have an enemy. And just as God is active in our lives, so Satan Satan's not just sitting back going, gee, I hope, I hope they trip over that. No, he's actively putting stuff in place to try to trip us up. He's trying to make our life hard. We need to be aware that we have an enemy. An enemy who loathes you. Not just hates, loathes, despises, wants to destroy 
In 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We need to be aware that he is there. We need to be aware that he is strong. You see, when Adam and Eve were created in the Garden of Eden, God gave them an authority over this world. And when Satan tempted them and ultimately they failed, he took that authority from them. We need to know that we not only have a real enemy, but our real enemy is actually powerful. But beyond that, we need to be aware that he is defeated. You see, some 2,000 years ago, love conquered death. Love conquered the destroyer. Love conquered hatred. The verdict is in. Satan has been found guilty. He knows that he has got an eternal separation from God coming. But that sentence has not yet been carried out. And in the meantime, he's wanting to take down as many of us as he can. So if he's strong, how do we defeat him? Well, we can't defeat him in our own strength. But we can defeat him through Jesus Christ. Revelations 12, 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. What do you do when you feel under attack? My natural reaction is to retreat. My natural reaction is to move away, to try to hide. Can I encourage you? That's not how you overcome. You overcome through the word of your testimony. You overcome by speaking out the things that God has done for you, the things that God has done through you, the things that God is doing in our midst. The way we overcome is through Christ himself and through us voicing what Christ has done for us. The Bible reveals the devil as the destroyer. In John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, the Hebrew word that is used in the Bible is the word abaddon. Sounds very much like abandon in our English language. The Greek word used, the equivalent, is the word apollyon. And they are used in two different contexts. They are used as the place of destruction, what we would call hell. But they're also used to name the person who is the destroyer who we would call Satan. So Abaddon and Apollyon are trying to bring us to a place of destruction and destroy us. How does the devil destroy? There's no doubt that he does it via a frontal attack. There's no doubt that he will take any opportunity he can to try and trip you up. He'll see weakness and he will exploit it and he will use it to his advantage. But it's not his only method. You see, Satan also destroys us by deceiving us. 
See, ideally, there's no doubt, Satan would love to destroy you in this life. He would love for you to go broke, for your finances to be under attack. He would love for your relationships to be under attack. He would love for your kids to go off the rails. He would love for everything to go wrong to go wrong. But then he also wants to make sure that we end up in a place of destruction. He wants to make sure that we are eternally separated from God, just like he will be. But Satan, he's prepared to, prepared to play a long game. If he can get you here, the place of destruction, he's happy to not destroy you now. Think about that for a moment. If he can give you some things now that are going to entice you now, that ultimately end up in the place of destruction... He's happy with that. You see, sometimes what looks like a gift here might just be Satan's way of getting you here. You see, that job promotion that you've got, woohoo! With more responsibility and longer hours, might just be the very thing you need that takes you out of church takes you away from your destiny, takes you away from Christ. And Satan's happy for you to have that now if it means that you end up here. Now, Satan can't help himself. He he wants to destroy you. But if he can't destroy you, he'll find other ways to try to get you where he wants you. He is often more prepared to play the long game than we are. And he does it through pride. Satan is the destroyer who targets your will with pride. How does he do that? Well, the Bible specifically mentions three angels by name. Gabriel, Michael and Lucifer. They're created beings. They were in charge of leading other angels. Of Lucifer, the prophet Isaiah wrote under the guidance of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 14, verse 12 to 15. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will, des- I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. You see, it's pride that made Lucifer the devil. Five times in two verses, I will. I will do this. I will place my star above. I will become like God. 
Pride was the root of the thought process that led Lucifer and a third of the angels to rebel against God. And when that happened, Lucifer became Satan. Lucifer became the devil. Do you know what? Satan actually learnt from that experience. Satan learnt and said, you know what? I've realised that pride has separated me from God. And so if I can get these people that God loves so dearly to be prideful, then that's going to separate them from God too. You see, it was pride that got in. Satan said five times, I will. When what we should be saying, what he should be saying, what we should be saying is thy will. You see, we are in a battle of the wills. Pride will get you to a place that will say, I will. I will go for that promotion. I will do this. I will just be amazing. Whereas what we need to find is that place of going, God, by your spirit, won't you come and thy will be done. You see, when Satan came and tempted Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 3, he actually used the same line. You will be like God. And Adam and Eve went, ooh, I will. And we have repped the consequences of that decision ever since. When Satan came to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, no, not my will, but thy will be done. And we have access to the consequences of that decision as well through Jesus Christ himself. When the destroyer comes at you, not if, when the destroyer comes at you, are you going to say, I will? Or are you going to say, thy will? Let's have a look at how Satan uses pride to do this. The first thing that I see is that pride inflates. In 1 Corinthians 8.1, it says, We know we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Have you ever met a really smart person? Like, really smart. Often pride comes with that. Liam, why don't you come out here? This is my son, Liam. Say hi to everyone, Liam. Hello. Really? That's it? You don't want to say anything more? No, not really. This is Liam. Liam's my son. He's awesome. He's great. Well, when I... When I say he's my son, he's sort of my son. What do I mean by that? I mean that my son is in here somewhere. But this isn't actually my son. My son's here. I can, I can find him. I can... Belly button. Right? He's there. He's, he's here. 
but it's not Liam. If I wanted to give my son a hug, Hmm, not, not quite so easy. You want to know what pride does? This is what pride does. We're still here somewhere, but there's a projection, a shell on the outside that hides who we really are on the inside. That's what pride does. Pride puffs up. My son is here. He's just all puffed up. And because he's puffed up, it's not really my son. He's different. Just stay there for a moment, buddy. Have you ever bought something online, usually, and what actually arrives just doesn't quite line up with what you ordered? You see, what happened was, was that you bought the inflated item not the real item. A few years ago, I met someone who was running their own business and I was speaking to them and their business sounded amazing. They were telling me about all the things that they were doing and the expansion projects and I was like, wow, I gotta come see this. And so they gave me the address and I went around there and I found this dark, dingy little shed. And I went, what? How how does that line up? The answer is it doesn't. I was sold the inflated. I was sold the dream, not the reality. And pride does that to us. It makes us sell the dream, not the reality. You see, Lucifer became inflated. I will place my star above God. The question is, have we become inflated? Now, before you do the automatic natural thing, no, no, I'm not inflated. This is me, I'm real. Before we do that, can we just stop and assess? Because pride is insidious. Pride sneaks in gradually. Pride is subtle but it has harmful effects. And we need to stop and go, okay, is this real? Or is this the projected shell of pride that's speaking? You see, pride can start positive, but twist and become negative so quickly. Your boss might call you up in front of the company and say, oh, this guy, they did an amazing job. And you go, yeah, I did an amazing job. In fact, I did such a good job. I am amazing. It's not that I did an amazing job. I actually am amazing. Oh, you know what? I'm so amazing that you all should come work for me. Oh, wow. I am so, so good. And what started in a positive place gets twisted and ends up in a negative place as pride puffs up. Or maybe... You've got a friend who's doing it tough and you're going to do the groceries, so you're just going to buy them a few groceries as well. No big deal. But you take the groceries around and they're so thankful. It's like, oh, you're welcome. So you do it again and again and again and again. 
And all of a sudden, somewhere along the way, you're no longer doing it for the other person. You're doing it because you want to receive the affirmation. Why? Because something that was positive has been twisted into something that's negative and pride has puffed up. If Liam came to me and said, hey, Dad, I've actually just got a small cut on my chest. Can you fix it for me? I'd say, sure, son. I know what to do with that. We put a Band-Aid on, right? So, get the Band-Aid out. Pull the tabs off. There we go. Done. Come here, buddy. Let me fix that, that cut. There we go. Are we all good? No? Why aren't we all good? The, the cut's there. The Band-Aid's there. Why aren't we all good? Because the cut's not there. The cut is back in here somewhere where Liam really is. You see, pride in its puffed up state stops us from receiving the help that we need. Because where we try and aim the help isn't the right place. You know what? It's my privilege here at church to meet with a lot of people and try and help them. We meet for a lot of different reasons. But the biggest hindrance, the biggest thing that stops people from receiving the help that could be theirs is this. You see, for Liam to receive the help that he needs, we need to deflate. So that I have access to where the pain really is, where the hurt really is. Thanks, buddy. Thank Liam. If we're going to address the root issue, we need to strip away the projection. We need to strip away the layers. We need to stop saying things are fine and good when they're not fine or good. We need to remove the layers, deflate so that the Holy Spirit can come in and bring the healing that only the Holy Spirit can. The second thing that I see that pride does is that pride blinds. Lucifer became full of pride. Out of that pride, he coerced, encouraged, he commanded a third of the angels to go with him and rebel against God. Let's just stop here for a moment. Does this plan seem ridiculous to you? Just think. So Lucifer has one third, which means that God has two thirds. Now, I know that there are some military battles that have been won where smaller numbers have gone up against bigger numbers and overcome. And we celebrate that often and we make them out to be heroes because it is rare. Lucifer has one third. God has two thirds. Now right there, surely you've got to be thinking, you know what? Two thirds has more of a chance than one third. But it gets worse. You see, Lucifer was a created being. 
Who was he created by? God. So not only is there one third and created, but there's two thirds and creator. There are times when Liam would come up to me and he would be all puffed up and he will say, oh, I reckon I can take you. <laughs> to which, to which the creator puts the created back in his rightful place. Now, I know there's a day coming where that's going to flip. I know, but for the moment, I'm going to take it for all it's worth. One third and created. Two thirds and creator. But it gets worse. God. Can you imagine Lucifer getting his one third of the angels around going, okay, Noah, here's the plan. Here's the strategy. This is what we're going to do. Surprise attack. (laughs) All knowing. I can see your surprise attack coming. P.S. All powerful. One word. Gone. How did Lucifer think that with one third of the angels... He could take on God and two, well, even God by himself, let alone God and two thirds of the angels. How did he think that? Because he was blind. You see, he had, in his thinking, brought God down a few pegs. And in his thinking, put himself up a few pegs. He was blinded to the truth. And pride does exactly the same thing to us. Pride blinds us to who God really is. If we could just cut through that, we would be in a much better place. Pride also blinds us from seeing objectively. Even if Lucifer couldn't see God for who he really is, to say one-third versus two-thirds? Nah, I can't do that. But pride blinds. Pride stops you seeing objectively. Pride makes our heads go fuzzy. And in that state, we make some dumb decisions. In Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14... It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Have you ever read that scripture and thought, well, God, why didn't you just make the narrow gate wider? You say you don't want people to go to destruction, but... Why, why didn't you make this narrow gate bigger? See, the problem isn't the size of the narrow gate. The narrow gate is plenty wide enough for every single person to fit through, single file. It's not like you come up to the narrow gate and you go, ooh, suck in, tiptoe, walk across, ah, oh, through. No. The narrow gate is wide enough to walk through, single file. Provided you've got Jesus on the inside. The narrow gate is not wide enough for you to get through with your pride. 
Why is the road to destruction wide? Well, you've probably heard the saying that when people are full of pride, they've got a big head. Why is the road wide? Well, because all the people there have got big heads, so you need it wider so that they can get through. Pride blinds. There's a saying that pride comes before a fall. Pride came before Lucifer's fall. Pride came before Adam and Eve's fall. Let's not be blinded by pride and let's deal with it before it leads to our fall. Finally, pride is overcome by humility. In 1 Peter 5, verses 5 to 7, it says, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Why does God oppose the proud? Quite simply, those who are proud are on the wide path. They're going to destruction. And God opposes them, not because he's against them, but because it's actually God's grace to us. When we're on that road to destruction because we're feeling proud, God's saying, no, don't do it. Recognise your pride and come back to the narrow gate where you can walk through, if only you would drop that pride. God opposing the proud is God's grace to us. The scripture says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Why don't we do that? Why don't we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand? Because we want to be the mighty hand. I want to be the overcomer. I want to be strong. I want to get this done. Oh, I'm back to all those eyes again. Why do we struggle under this mighty hand? It's because that pride that's in us. Do you know what happens when you come under the mighty hand of God? You give God the opportunity to fight your battles for you. Because it's his mighty hand that is then protecting How many people are weary, tired of the battles? Maybe, just maybe, you need to come back under the mighty hand and let God fight for you. The scripture says that he may lift you up in due time. We all want to be lifted up, but we all want to be lifted up now. I want that mountaintop experience all the way through my life. God says, no, no, let me do it in due time. When we've worked on your character enough to be able to keep you in the place that I want to put you, then I'll elevate you. Let me or let God elevate you in due time. Come under his mighty hand. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because if you've cast your anxiety on him, then you no longer have it. And you get to experience the peace of God. Who wants more peace? I do. Then humble yourself under his mighty hand and let God's peace come.
And finally, he cares for you. Who wants to experience more of God's care in their life? I do. I do. So let's cast aside our pride. Let's humble ourselves under his mighty hand so that he can care for you. As the band comes and in conclusion today, Satan is the destroyer and he wants to target your will with pride. And you are vulnerable when you're full of pride. Pride sets you up as the highest authority. I will. I will. I will. We need to set aside our pride. We need to set aside our I will for thy will today. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 